0: Welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast. We're on episode 72. Is your team a team? Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to team, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be remember back when I was in grad school and this was on a weekend, I think it was a Saturday and it was so bright and beautiful outside. And I was in this really stark, boring, beige-ish classroom. Because at the time I went to grad school, there weren't all these amazing options that there are today that make it more flexible for working adults to learn, and get an advanced degree. So I was stuck in a weekend degree program many, many weekends worth of learning and development and often staring out the window wishing I was outside anyway I digress but I do remember the first moment that I learned about Bruce Tuckman's team development model that was developed in 1965 and we had used this uh, particular team development book in part of the curriculum for one of the classes and I was fascinated because up until that point I wasn't as aware of team dynamics I just hadn't learned about that yet I hadn't been exposed to this as an undergrad which in high Insight was kind of a little surprising given how many psychology classes and teaching classes I took. But anyway, I was so intrigued by learning how teams develop in a very predictable manner and also looking at what are the most effective roles and responsibilities of team leaders and team members, and that it was just a process, an actual process that teams go through and that members of a team, when they exited or entered the group, the process started all over. e gads and I just had to know more. Up until that point, I had been on some great teams, and I had been on some sucky ones, and I didn't really analyze the difference between the two. Or perhaps if I was able to analyze the difference, I might have been more able to shift the team energy or the dynamic or the performance in a better direction. Yes, this is what I tell myself because, of course, I have superpowers. But (laughs) so I may not have been able to do that, but I certainly could have been better at diagnosing and also shifting my own behaviors as a part of a team. But unfortunately, I was ignorant. Then I learned. So most of us know and realize that a common goal is foundational for the difference between a group and a team. And not all groups are teams. And that is okay. Maybe you've heard of Tuckman's model and maybe you haven't. And yet I bet these stages are going to sound hauntingly familiar to you they are form, storm, norm, and perform. But we're going to go through these four stages. And I'm just going to share a little bit about the highlights, what is in each of these stages. And I want you to be thinking on groups that you work with, because this could be relevant for a department team or a project team, a sports team, anything like that, you can assess where you're at, in these stages of team development. Forming is the first stage, and that's just what it sounds like. The group is pretty immature. Even though there is the start of understanding a shared goal or a collective purpose and also clear roles and responsibilities, it doesn't mean that that is all understood or accepted. And think about the first time when people come together, especially when you're in a project team or maybe you're on a school committee, something like that. The group tends to be a little tentative as well, identifying like, what is going to be acceptable in this group? What is going to be the energy? What are going to be the things that are okay to say and do and not? So we tend to kind of be tentative about what we think is okay. So the group is immature, not immature emotionally, but immature in terms of its development. We are going to blast then into the storming stage. And the storming stage of team development is where the group is fractioned because inevitably when you get more than two people together, let's be honest, there's gonna be disagreement, there's gonna be some tension. There also may be possible clicks that form when people disagree about priorities or roles or tasks and they don't know how to successfully resolve the conflict within the group. Those clicks might happen if I'm disagreeing with something that's occurring in the group and maybe it's uh, me and Bob are talking about it and so outside of the group, Bob and I are like, oh my gosh, did you hear what so-and-so said in the group? Or can you believe we have to do this? Or blah, blah, blah. And Bob and I become aligned. And there are probably other little factions in the group as well that could be forming. Those are indications of the storming stage. Although storming could also be polite and professionally done, but the conflict is unresolved. We don't know what to do with it or how to do it well yet. As a group, the great news is if we can get through the storming stage, we get to norming. And norming is when the group is finally gelling. So, what we're going to see is increased cooperation. And that cooperation does increase because roles and responsibilities and leadership is more understood and accepted. We hear it in the forming stage, we intellectually know what it is like, but it isn't till we go through those disagreements and the conflict that we come to accept those. So that really happens in norming. Also, as things stabilize and trust is established, because we know how to resolve conflicts, either individually or collectively, you can kind of think of this as almost the heavy sigh phase, like, oh, thank goodness, (laughs) we came out of that storming stage. And we know how we'll communicate, how we'll make decisions. And so those practices are in place to help us as a team. When we get to norming, it doesn't mean we're fully functioning and high-performing. That occurs in stage four. This is when we really start operating as a team, meaning there is much more openness to each other, and there's actually more flexibility about tasks and roles. There's an attention to both the goals And also the group dynamics. And that's what I see as a big shift from any of the other stages of team development. In the performing stage, we are more aware of how we're operating as a team. We can also then take on more shared leadership and do collective problem solving and shared decision making because there is that emphasis on the collective goals. It isn't just about any one of us individually, we feel accountability. To each other and to that shared goal. And that happens in the perform stage of team development. But the really cool part of knowing this model is knowing that as a leader, you can accelerate the development of your team. I know, isn't that crazy? Like on purpose. And while it's very common just to make assumptions about our teams being high performance, this model helps us to really investigate number one, is that true? And number two, how do we ensure that it's true? And how do we ensure that every member of the team is having a consistent experience? I do remember a manager that I worked with at one point and he was thinking his team was so high performance. He talked about it a lot during our coaching and I always thought, well, this is so interesting and I couldn't hardly wait to meet the team and I was going to do some work with them. Working with the team, my observations were a little bit different and I didn't think they were as high performing as he did. And while they were outstanding as technical contributors and very experienced in their roles they did not operate with a collective purpose. They operated with individual purpose. And they also demonstrated some really bad behaviors. For example, criticizing their leader behind his back to each other and to me. There were definitely clicks that were formed. And trusting respectful behavior, transparency and professionalism, hmm not so much. And I definitely saw that as a pattern. And That pattern emerged very quickly. It wasn't a one-time event. So for me, in assessing that team, I would have put them more at forming because I wondered, do they even have a collective goal that is clear for them or storming? Because I was really concerned about the constructiveness and respectability of how they address the conflict, meaning I don't think they did that well. The other fun part of knowing these four stages of team development is actually exploring the model and the stages with your team. Whether you are in a department or a project team, you can gain so many insights into how others perceive the team. That may be very different from how you see it, because the individual members may have very different experiences and insights than the leader does. And of course, those insights may be Tucked safely in their brains. So we need to get them out. There are different kinds of assessments you can use to analyze the team behaviors. That's a great starting point, And it can really spur some interesting discussion on those stages of team development. But not only that, to improve it and to strengthen it with all of the team members involved. And that's when it's really fun. As the team leader, it's also important to know that your role evolves with each of the four stages because think of it, in the forming stage, they need a very different type of leadership than they do in the performing stage. Consider yourself more of a director and more directing In that forming stage, it is about structure and clarity and purpose and practices and all of the foundation and the framework for that team to be successful. And then think about in the storming stage, very much your role is as a coach and helping people understand that transparency, that candor, that conflict is important and healthy and it has to be done successfully. In fact, I'm gonna dedicate my whole next podcast to what things you can do in the storming stage of team development. Then as you go to norming, it becomes more about facilitation because you're seeing role clarity and you're seeing more cooperation. So you get to facilitate and help people to really embrace the goals in a more shared way. Also, probably the practices that the team uses are more in place, there's probably more discipline and structure around them, you aren't creating and directing as much as you're facilitating. And then as the group strengthens and evolves over time, you can also think about in the performance stage that you become a true delegator, that there are many people that you can delegate to, because people recognize what The goals are and they have that collective and shared purpose in mind. And that's a really great place to be. If these roles sound familiar, they are because this approach really parallels the situational leadership model created by Hersey and Blanchard. I did a podcast episode 22 on situational leadership and the whole premise of that leadership theory means that the level of management required evolves and shifts over time. And when you think about team development as practices and processes are in place, the team can utilize, it of course means that they can operate more efficiently and them more effectively, and also at a deeper level, particularly with their dynamics. But when you see that shift of everyone on your team, not to just thinking about their own job and their own role and their own goal, but they think in a more collective, shared way, then you know that you have arrived. Some key learning seeds here about Bruce Techman's model is there are four stages of team development, form, storm, norm, and perform. And bonus, if you look this up, there's one more stage that I didn't even talk about that's called adjourn. And that's if you're a project team rather than a department and adjourning is its own separate stage. Learning seed number two is every team is going to go through this process. It is predictable. The third thing to remember is when a team member comes or goes, you go back to the forming stage. But the really great news is you can accelerate the performance of a team. And as a team leader, your role is going to shift. But rest assured, they still need you. So if this is new information to you, I encourage you to share it with your team. Because when teams find this out and can use this consciously, transparently, and deliberately, it can be a game changer for everyone. And you won't need to put any of those cliche, motivational posters on the wall, because you will start to see that vision of teamwork come to life in your team. And they will too. If the storming stage of team development sounds icky and scary, not to worry. Next week's episode I'm going to dive into the storming stage and what you can do to move your team through it and get to norming and performing.